1: Good morning, welcome in once again, Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a Wednesday as we talk the world of sports, take it up until noon, and a busy program for you today, Trent running solo again, we got a lot to get into as we really flip the page from where we were the first couple of days of the week, Wednesday is when we really start to preview, get ready for the upcoming week on both the college and the NFL side of things, a big week for both Iowa and Iowa State. Iowa State trying to get off the schneid against Kansas State. As we've talked about throughout the week and looking back upon this game on paper, Iowa State a better team. Kansas State has the history. What does that play into it? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more as we turn the page off a bye week for Iowa State and get ready for Kansas State. With Iowa, it's a road trip as they head out on the road again after playing Friday against Minnesota, this time to State College and Penn State. A Penn State team that sits at 0-4. But listening to Kirk Ferrens talk a little bit yesterday about Penn State, he used many of the superlatives we've seen on the past. And when they take on a struggling team, a struggling program that has a lot of history, they'll say they still look good. And you look at Penn State this year, the 0 4 record, at least you scratch in your head. The Indiana game absolutely left that one on the field. That was a game that they dominated everything except for the scoreboard. And one decision, going down to the one yard line, is a the game they would have been able to run it out and win that one. They didn't. We know what happened the next week against Ohio State had opportunities in that game, never could get over the hump, and then from there things have really fallen apart, losses to Maryland and Nebraska last week, Penn State, Iowa, Iowa currently two and a half three point favorite in that one out at State College. So we'll turn the page, start to look forward a little bit more with Iowa and Iowa State. Big big weekend as well for the Big 10 and Big 12. Got Bedlam this week, Oklahoma State going to Oklahoma. Sooners, about a touchdown favorite in that one, and a couple of biggies in the Big Ten. Indiana-Ohio State for Supremacy of the East. Yes, Indiana is involved. Still, three touchdowns is the number in that one. 20, uh, currently consensus across the board. Ohio State favorite at home. And Northwestern welcoming in Wisconsin. The Badgers continuing to teeter, walking that tightrope. Another canceled game. and They will not be able to play in the Big Ten Championship unless there's a hole in Bunch more cancellations in the Big Ten. So that's what we have coming up. Big Ten, Big 12 this weekend. Coming up for you today on the BMW Des Moines guest list. We'll kick things off. Speaking of Nebraska-Penn State last week, Stephen M. Sippel, our Wednesday guest. He will join us at 1025. Finally a victory. It was, what, almost 300 days, I believe it was, since the last time we saw a Nebraska victory. They got that done. Yes, against a limited Penn State team, a Penn State team not playing good football, but still, you get off the schneid, you get the victory. What does that mean for that team, that program, and going forward and looking at a big picture? McCaffrey got the start at the quarterback position, defense that is playing better. So we'll talk about that more, Stephen M. Sippel from the Lincoln Journal-Star. Then at 1045, we'll take a broader look at college football with Bill Bender, our friend from the Sporting News. A Mac grad from Ohio, though their game was canceled this week against Miami of Ohio. Maction tonight, Maction last night, a couple of clunker of games. Hopefully we'll get something a little bit better coming up this evening in the college football ranks in the Mid-American Conference. We'll talk to Bill about... The big games in college football this weekend. Mentioned Big Ten and Big 12 with some big ones, and we'll take a peek around some of the other ones in college football at 1045. Then we'll begin the 11 o'clock hour. David Kaplan will join us from ESPN 1000 and NBC Sports Chicago. We'll talk to Cappy about the decision. Theo Epstein walking away from the Cubs. In fact, Cappy had an opportunity on his radio program this morning to talk with Theo. So we'll get it right from the horse's mouth and see what was said there. Jed Hoyer taking over. What does that mean? And and the organization as a whole for the Cubs. With the impending decision with Chris Bryant, what's going to happen there? What kind of contract would they even offer him at this point? Likelihood, this is going to be his final season in a Cubs uniform before he will depart. And the rest of that team, it feels like even coming off a division championship in the shortened 60-game schedule, this is a team in need of some kind of reboot. An aging pitching staff pitching staff that now will be minus John Lester, and you look around and you just wonder what it's going to be with this team. What can be done to reinvigorate them? The Dodgers, they're their own entity. They're playing at a completely different level than everybody else in the National League. Braves are right there with them. Braves had an opportunity to win that series, but when you look at payroll, what they're able to do, how they can plug holes every single year, the depth of that team, The depth of the organization, not just the money that they spend, coupled with the way that they scout, the way that they develop, they're on their own tier. That next tier might also only be one team, Atlanta. San Diego's coming, they're making a move, are the Padres, some other teams. Two years ago, it was the Nationals winning the World Championship. It was a 60-game schedule, but we can get into that a whole lot more, of course, the Cardinals. What's next for the Brewers? The Reds make the playoffs, and then we're quickly exited out there. So lots to get into on the baseball side of things. And of course, yes, we'll continue to lament the awful Chicago Bears. Good news is, don't have to watch the Bears anymore. This week at least. They're off. they got a bye week. So don't have to worry about that coming in on Monday or Tuesday as it was this week. And just absolutely sickening watching that football team. Won't have to do that, but we'll get Cappy's thoughts of... What can be done in other organization with some big questions with the Chicago Bears? That comes your way at 11.05. It's NBA draft night also tonight. Number one pick we will see. A lot of people believe it is the former Georgia Bulldog, Anthony Edwards, that will hear his name go first. Some scary quotes coming out, though, about the 2020 NBA draft. These oddities that we have, the Kentucky Derby moving, last week the Masters moving, it's difficult There is a pattern that I think we all get into. There's a pattern that Ken and I get into. There's a pattern that you as a sports fan gets into. And when that gets moved around, it impacts, I think, most everybody. If you're a huge NBA fan, you're still going to watch the NBA regardless of what it is. But we all have these little gaps throughout the year that are more important to us, bigger for whatever reason. And another one used to love the NBA draft. In fact, it was one of my favorite nights of the year because of my love of college basketball. Back when I really was a big NBA fan, it was the perfect combination. Anymore, give or take. And you don't have a very good draft this year. Anthony Edwards, I mentioned his name. Did you watch Metro Georgia basketball last year? He did. He saw Chucker. It's a guy that's talented. But that's what this draft is. And because you don't have that star power, yeah, there's a ball in there, but come on. There's not the star power that we get many different seasons. There's no Zion here. There's no guy that you look at and say, this is a surefire, no doubt about it, NBA All-Star. see, so you have that. And you have that. It's November 18th. So this is not normally when we have the NBA draft. This isn't June. And that's part of the lead-up, the build-up right after the finals. You're still thinking NBA. That's the way that it goes. That's the direction that it goes. But mention Anthony Edwards. The T-Wolves do have the number 1 pick. He said this, quote, to be honest, I can't watch basketball, unquote. There it is. Your 2020 NBA draft. I can't watch basketball. That's from the possible number one pick, Anthony Edwards. What a time to be alive. We'll get into that with the Bulls as they sit at number four with David Kaplan. Also, again, 11.05 for David Kaplan here. And then we'll finish up with Cody Goodwin from the Des Moines Register, We'll talk plenty of high school football. The six championships games slated to start tomorrow. We'll talk about that with Cody Goodwin from the Register. A lot on the ankeny Southeast Polk matchup. Really want to break that one down with him and get his perspective. And we're going to talk some wrestling, too. He's also the wrestling writer at the Des Moines Register. And what wrestling is going to look like at the high school level. We're seeing the CIML making the decision that games are not going to be played. Looks like until we get to 2021 after... People come back, and the the students come back from Christmas break. Winter break, they'll come back and possibly get things started there. But what's it going to look like? And and is there an opportunity where they push these seasons back? Think of wrestling. Wrestling state championships are in February. You add more to the calendar. Do you go that direction? And though the Iowa High School Athletic Association and the Iowa Girls Union have uh, said to the CIML, We'll take it under consideration, but for the schools that are still going, they can still have their athletic events. They can still lot to be determined there. But just thinking about wrestling, you know, football—you go, you make a tackle, you're in close contact, you play on the line, you're lined up face to face with a guy for a few seconds. Then it's over. Wrestling, it is six minutes continuous, right on top of each other, face to face. When you're in the neutral position, can you pull that off? And, and with it, how do you pull it off? Big question, I think, and we'll talk wrestling again with Cody Godwin. Mention the high school football with Cody and the matchup coming your way. We'll have the call for you on Friday night coming up with the kickoff at 7 o'clock, pregame at 6.40 here on KXNO. And I've had a couple of people ask it as the game was going on. Hey, for whatever reason, I want to hear your call. I want to hear you and Joe Stacy on the call. And I say thank you because Joe and I had a great time doing both semifinal games last week and excited to do again this Friday night. But if you want to do it, if you have a DVR, it's very simple. Just pop on your phone, your tablet, whatever it is, even if you got that stereo hooked up to your television. Flip on the iHeartRadio app, search KXNO, it'll pop up. You can listen that way. And if you have a DVR, just pause it and then line up the timing together. One of the easiest ways to do it, and I've done this in the past with some games that maybe didn't like the TV announcers that were on it, so I've done this. A very easy thing to do in football to kind of even up the sound and make sure that you're at the right place is either on the opening kickoff, listen for that, that thud, that boom that you hear, or the first time there's... An official talking. The first time that you hear a flag. That's usually the easiest time that you can sync up the audio. But just a way to do it if you want to hear Joe and my call while also watching the game as Fox will have it on Friday night. 7 o'clock kickoff. Ankeny Southeast Polk. Polk looking for their ever first ever football championship. Ankeny has a couple, of course, in their back pocket. But this will be their first opportunity to play for a title since the split of the high schools with Centennial opening, what, eight years ago? I guess it is now. Uh, On that one. So looking forward to it. Should be a really fun game. We'll break it down a whole lot more. Before that, though, haven't had much of an opportunity. Just a a passing glance. Talking about the run from Dowling Catholic. In seven consecutive state championships, you look back at each of those individually. Uh, There were a couple of years where they were just far and away the better team. I would say of those seven championships, certainly two, maybe three of them, there was a pretty clear gap between them And everybody else. But for the other four or five of those seasons, not only could you argue they weren't the most talented team, but I think there was a pretty significant gap. It's a credit to Tom Wilson and the rest of his staff. You look up and down that staff. Otter Meeks, that guy won a state championship at Waterloo Columbus. Not exactly an easy place to win. You look at what they've done historically. This isn't a historic program by any means. And he won a state championship there. He's on the coaching staff. And he just go up and down the line. My guy Andy Pollack and what he's done with the offensive line. And every single year, doesn't matter the turnover that they're going to have, they're going to be good. To do it seven consecutive years. To do it in the fashion that they did. That coaching staff deserves so much of that credit. The way that they do that, the way they grind, and the way that you know when you get to November that's going to be a team playing their best football. And as it was 14-3, they had the lead against Ankeny on Friday night. It felt that way. You look at college football talent, Ankeny has a lot more. They got Brody Brack, a 6'4 wide receiver that's going to Iowa. They have Arlen Bruce, who made the play that ultimately won the game for Ankeny with the interception in the end zone. They got dudes. Jace Bauer, for my money, is as good of a quarterback as you're going to find in central Iowa. Throw on the other side... Dowling this year was playing a two-quarterback system, and their senior quarterback, the one that had better stats this season, he wasn't able to play. And yet they were up 14-3. It goes to overtime, a game they easily, easily could have won. It shows you what Tom Wilson and that group can do. Congratulations to them. Southeast Spoke Ankeny against 7 o'clock, and the limitations now in the fans. If you're planning on going up, if you are. Under a rock and didn't hear the news from the last couple of days. Because of limited fans, just two per player. That doesn't involve support staff, cheerleaders, even coaches. Just two per player are going to be allowed in the Unidome. So we will have you covered here on KXNO 640 with the pregame. And a big thank you again to all of our great high school football sponsors with us here throughout this whole season. Been great having them involved and and being a part of of it with us really thank you to elite eye care in west des moines university avenue dr heisman dr bell and sawatsky thank you to them rush nigga of brick gentry law roshan corporation we hand out our hard hat player of the game afterwards the rookie sports cards signorama of urbandale gRL law adam bentz realtor at charterhouse wolf roofing shottenkirk thunderhead and carl chevrolet and pj caffrey thanks to all of them for being with us here throughout this high school football season and this run to the 4A championship coming your way on Friday night. Mention we're going to flip the page. We're going to start to look forward a whole lot more. We'll get into that more here with our guests on the BMW Des Moines guest list. One other thing that uh, I came across last night, I want to pass along to you as I was watching yet another loss in It Maction just as it's not going well for me right now. Maybe it's November. That could be something. Possibly. Possibly. Because October was great. I hit 70% here on the show. Everything was going well. I actually took some money out of my account I was doing so well. And here in November, as my action has got started, it has not gone well for me. But as I'm watching that, I uh, run across on Twitter a trailer for a documentary on Tiger Woods. Now, I believe I had heard that this was in development. But it's just one of those out of sight, out of minds. And I don't know if this trailer's been out for a while. It just happened to come across my feed. But coming off the Masters, coming off what we talked about on Monday, Tiger Woods taking the 10 on 12, and then going out, finishing in the fashion that he did. Next hole birdie, par, and then four consecutive birdies to finish out his round. He is as compelling of a figure, not only in golf, but in sports. And as I'm watching watching this, and I'm watching the documentary, and the trailer for it, it's a minute, you see clips of him as a youngster. But the voiceover is from his dad, Earl, talking about what he was going to be and what his gift to, to the world was in his son, Tiger. Tiger is a figure. And, and to think back of the time, I think we think of that fateful Thanksgiving The 9-iron to the SUV. And we think about that part of it. But something I forgot, there was a little clip of him getting his mug shot. It's a guy that was in a dark, dark place. And to come back last year and win the Masters, and to still be as competitive as he is, and even in a week where he didn't play well, you know he's going to be ready to go come April. If he is healthy enough to be there He's going to be there, and he's got to be somebody that is part of the conversation. But with all that, what do we really know about Tiger Woods? We know little stories. We know little snippets. And my hope, because I believe what HBO does is incredibly good, and what they put together on the sports side is always at a high level, that we are going to find out more. Much like we had with Michael Jordan and the series, on the final season, I think we're going to learn a lot more. And I think it's going to be one of those that, yeah, there'll be sports going on. And this is different. This is not a week after week after week thing like we had with MJ. But to be able to pull back the curtain a little bit and find out more about this guy, love him or hate him, and I know there's a lot of people on both sides of that equation, he's compelling, he's interesting, those are the kind of people we need in sport. And happy I ran across that last night. Got me pumped up January, apparently when that thing's going to be coming out with Tiger Woods. We're going to take a timeout. we got a lot of college football to come this hour. We'll start things off. Stephen M. Simple from the Lincoln Journal-Star. It'll be Nebraska this week and then a quick turnaround next week with the Black Friday game. Noon kickoff for that one. 12 Central time, yes, not 12 Eastern, 12 our time kickoff. Before that, 11 o'clock, it'll be Iowa State and Texas. So you'll get a little double dip with your Thanksgiving leftovers coming up on Black Friday. We'll talk some Nebraska football, then college football as a whole with Bill Bender coming your way. But before that, let's try to get a $1,000 winner. We already got one in the building today. 6 a.m., WHO hit one. Let's get one on KX. Help me out. Help me help you. As Ken's away, if We got this done. We got a winner right here. Well, Ken wasn't here. Oh, it would irk him to no end, and that'd be hilarious. You know I like irk Ken from time to time. So what you do? Get out your cell phone. Got it? Good. Text. Open that up. Good. All you have to do, all right, you see where you put in the number? 200-200. Text SMILE. S-M-I-L-E, SMILE, to 200-200. It's your chance to win $1,000 the KXNO $1,000 handoff, smile to 200-200.
0: You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Come on, let's get
1: this done. One final thing, college basketball. We are a week away from the beginning of the season. Incredible. DraftKings has released a couple of college basketball lines for some of the big games. A lot of ACC Big Ten Challenge ones in there and a few others. But a couple of Iowa games, including the Iowa-North Carolina game, that game will be played at Carver, Iowa. A five-and-a-half point favorite against North Carolina. And the other game that they have released in college hoops is the game up in Sioux Falls with Gonzaga and Iowa colliding. The Zags, just a point-and-a-half favorite. I'm jumping on Gonzaga. Right away before that thing lo- moves, but a couple of college basketball lines. If you're a customer of DraftKings, you can find those right now on the app. Coming back, Stephen M. Simple. We're talking college football with him in the Big Ten and Nebraska. It's Miller and Condon, fourteen sixty KXNO at one hundred six. It's time for sip. <laughs> Stephen M. Simple from the Lincoln Journal Star talks with myself and Ken on Nebraska football.
0: I mean, I have a radio show. We have callers. I pay attention to my Twitter notifications and all that. There's definitely some frustration.
1: We talk Cornhuskers, and you never know what else is going to come up. Yeah. With 30 years on the Nebraska beat, here's Stephen M. Sipple. As long as they're paying me to talk, I'm just going to keep doing it. And here he is, Stephen M. Sipple, Lincoln Journal Star. Nebraska ends the long losing streak. It'd been a long time since they picked up a win as they race out to the big lead against Penn State and hold on for the victory. Sip, thanks for joining us again and got to have a little bounce in your step coming off a of victory right for the Cornhuskers? <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, I'm objective, so I'll have a bounce in my step no matter what. Um, but yeah, I think the state probably feels feels quite a bit better. There hasn't, you know, Nebraska was had they lost the game, it would be eight, and, it would have been eight and nine games. So yeah, I think I mean they did something they haven't been doing much. And that's winning. So yeah, that was it. Was it was I think it was a sizable achievement it was definitely something that was needed. It wasn't perfect, but the I don't know, as a bottom line person, I don't know. I think Nebraska should, I think the should feel pretty good about it.
1: Luke McCaffrey gets his first career start. We see him out there and the reemergence if you will in Wandale Robinson getting him the ball in different ways. hadn't touched the ball in the running game hardly at all before that one and then they go into him 16 times. Robinson it was surprising that he wasn't a bigger part of the offense early in the season. What have they found here on the offensive side with McCaffrey and Robinson as well?
0: Well, not enough. It, the offense wasn't great at all. I mean, it, they were, you know, they uh, they just were okay. They only had 95 yards in the second half. I mean, mm-hmm. Nebraska got our out-yarded, I think it was 306 to 95 in the second half. I mean, I don't. I don't. For instance, I heard a national commentator say his takeaway from the game is that Nebraska found uh, its long-term solution at quarterback. I certainly wouldn't say that. I mean, Juan Dale was fine. I mean, he carried 16 times for 60 yards. I don't think in Iowa, if you know if Goodson carried 16 times for for 60 yards, we would. You know everything would be wow. Look at that. There's, there wasn't any wow. The offense. Mm-hmm. Okay, what I'm getting at here, Trent, is the offense is just really pedestrian. I mean, it's sort of surprising in third year in Frost third year that we're talking about the nation's 84th ranked offense. But that's what we're talking about. They don't have a lot of answers. Juan Dale, I guess. You know, I don't know. He, he's He's all right. He's a good player, but he's not. I don't know, Trent. Maybe you think differently. I don't think you can put the offense on Wandale Robinson's back in the Big Ten and say carry Nebraska a five straight wins. I don't. I don't see that happening.
1: No, I'm right there with you. It's it's a piece. It's a positive, but yeah, there needs to be a whole lot more there. Defense played well in the first half. Penn State started to come back in the second half before ultimately holding them off. Sip, just watching this team. That front seven is so much better than what we've seen the last couple of years. Building blocks. Are you a believer in finally what Shenander and company is doing on the defensive side?
0: Yes and no. I mean, I, like it's interesting, right? I think I'm. I'm like you when I watch it. I'm pretty impressed. I see a, I see, yeah, they're much better in the front seven. I see a team that's rallying to the ball. Mm-hmm. There's hats around the ball. They're, they hit hard. But, you know, they're ranked 84th in the country. I mean, it's not – their numbers are not great, you know. But, yeah, the, the – but just intuitively, yeah, they're definitely playing intuitively and then in what you see. They're better. There's no question. Long way to go, though. I mean, I guess – I guess what we're talking about is it's a program that just has a long way to go. Um, when we're talking about them being so much better – On defense, and they're still ranked 84th nationally. uh, You know what's that tell you? They have a long way to go, but they, you know, they have some guys now that you're you're watching that are playing well. Ben Stilley, I think he's playing the best football. He's a fifth-year senior. I think he's playing the best football of his career. Ty Robinson, on the other hand, on the other hand, in terms of age, he's a young guy, redshirt freshman, and he looks like a foundation player. Uh, Luke Reimer at linebacker has shown a lot as a, as a sophomore, but on the other hand, they're older guys at that position. Seniors, Colin Miller and Will Honest, they played, you know, they're playing well. Um, and the back end has been pretty good. Um, had probably the best game, uh, this year on Saturday. So, yeah, I, I think Shenander, I'll tell you one thing. The focus isn't on Shenander here. Um, it's on the offense, so I guess that says a lot right
1: there, right? It does. So, Sip, this became a, a big storyline following the Nebraska media and fans, as I did on Twitter during the game Saturday. The move to the other sideline in a Nebraska home game, so they go over, they had been, what, on the east side and they went west and they could see the press box better and, and easier for a signal? Help me out here because I I, I was struggling following this conversation.
0: Yeah, well, right away I would tell you this. I always tell the young writers that are coming in. I always say this: the words to them. When you're covering Nebraska football, there's no angle that's too small. Okay? <laughs> I mean, it's no angle too small is what I always tell them. And this was a pretty good example. Although I thought it was interesting, mm-hmm. um, they did. They've been on the east sideline since sixty two. I mean Bob Devaney came in at that point and moved them from the west to the east. So now on Saturday all of a sudden Nebraska in its first home game is, is on the West sideline. And it it was what the way the way Scott characterized it, it, it makes sense. Okay, they're on the West sideline now. Press box at Memorial Stadiums on the west side. You know we're on the sixth floor. That's where the opposing coaches are coaching from. The sixth floor, so they're they're looking at the backs of Nebraska's coaching staff now. So it's harder to pick up their signal. if they were doing that. If the opposing if the opposing coaches before on the west in the west stadium were looking towards the east sideline, it would have been easier for them to to pick off those signals so now they're looking at Nebraska's back and I, that was that was the impetus behind the move
1: all right do you, do
0: you understand that do you
1: understand that? yeah yeah I, I get it but then they said they're going back to it next year if this makes sense to do why wouldn't you just stick with it going forward
0: I don't know now you <laughs> read a lot thank you um Bill Moose last night on his monthly radio show yeah, he's sort of surprising. Said that they would go back next year. Now Scott did say that some of this is related to the fact that there's no fans, there's no chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not much chaos, so it's probably easier for coaches to lock in on that sort of thing. So, and it is really weird, by the way, for fans that I mean that aren't they can't be at the stadiums. It's really odd. It's, it does feel very quiet and scrimmage-like. So I,
1: I see where Scott's coming from, for sure. All right, Sip, uh, a couple other things that you had. We're talking with Stephen M. Simple from the Lincoln Journal-Star. You can find it over at Husker Extra, all the great work that he does, and the Lincoln Journal-Star writers on Nebraska football. Uh, you mentioned Bill Moose and a conversation he had during the radio program, the Husker radio program last night. Talking about Week 9, the crossover games, of course, the championship game will be in Indianapolis. But we're getting awful close to that thing. In fact, a month away, we don't still know where these games are going to be played. What did Moose have to say about that?
0: He said they would talk about it as early as today. and they, He thinks they could have something ironed out shortly, as soon as this week. But he also, now he's talking about NFL Dome Stadium. And he didn't mention the city, but I think we're talking about Indianapolis, Detroit, Minneapolis; mm-hmm. those are dome stadiums in the NFL. It a Big Ten country, um, but he also didn't rule out campus sites. Now I don't know who. How would you? How you would go about determining which team host, But I, I was just glad he was talking about it. I, mean, I was just. I just hope that it happens. I guess there was a part of me that, not based on nothing, that was kind of skeptical of that even of those games even happening but it heartens me to hear bill moose say that they're going to talk about that on a on a zoom session i think he i think he was talking about as early as today
1: Be good. Be good to know what that is and at least have the plan in place so people can kind of, look, teams, they're going to travel wherever they need to travel. They're going to get hotel rooms. It's not like rates are through the roof right now wherever these teams are going to end up. But it's just nice to have that plan here a month away. And for media guys like you that are planning on covering those games, knowing what you guys are going to be doing too, right?
0: I guess. But you understand why, you know, as you ask the question, you understand why it doesn't have to occur too early because there won't be fans. So, you know, just teams can get where they need to pretty quickly, and it doesn't have to. Yeah, you're not talking about a, a large swing in prices necessarily.
1: Sip, uh, one final thing for you. You got to see Penn State last week. Iowa, of course, has them on the docket this week. What do you see from this Penn State team? As you watch them in person, see them running up and down the field, a preseason top 10 team now at 0-4, is this a team that has quit? Is this a team that has, for all intents and purposes, just said, let's look to 2021? What do you see out of that team and that program? What do you expect to see against Iowa this week?
0: Well, I have a lot of respect for James Franklin, and this will sound weird, but it has to be the worst coaching job of any staff in America that that, that, that team's owing for. They're, 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 that's a good team. They're, the only Power Five teams that have been playing, and I'm not talking about the Pac 12. Mm-hmm. The only Power Five teams that have been playing that are winless are Vandy, Kansas, and Penn State. But this shouldn't happen. They have two. I mean, Penn State is good. Now, the second thing I'd say is they I think a lot of the problem was Sean Clifford. I hate to say it because I don't like being critical of college kids. But I Clifford was holding them back, I think. When they went to Will Levin, the energy changed. They were better. I don't I don't know what they'll do at quarterback. I haven't been reading about Penn State this week. But I'd be s i would be I guess from my vantage Point of after watching the game on Saturday, watching Clifford throw a horrible interception. I mean, yeah. he threw a bad ball to the pick early and then lost a fumble in the pocket. And then seeing what Penn State, how Penn State's energy changed with Will Levis, who's a 6'3, 222 pound sophomore from Connecticut. And by the way, I will recruited Will Levis. Mm mm-hmm. um, I would be really surprised if they don't go with the backup. I think that they'll have a new starting quarterback. Now, he's not a great thrower. He sprays it around a little bit. He was 14 for 31 against Nebraska. But, man, I like the way he runs the ball. He's a, Hey, Trent, he's a big, strong kid. I mean, he'll do some damage running. Um, and I, I think Penn State will get some wins going forward. I, they're too good. Yeah. Front, well, I'll, I'll tell you this, Sean Beckton, Nebraska's tight ends coach, said yesterday that they are better athletically in the front seven than Ohio State. And the comment did not surprise me. I thought I thought Penn State's front seven was a, was really strong. So I it's perplexing that they could be
1: 0-4. You look at the numbers, and it doesn't line up for what they are. That's their record, but perhaps a wounded bear as they make their way into the lion's den, and State College Iowa does this weekend. Sip, next week it'll be a short one, Black Friday, with Iowa and Nebraska. We'll hope to track you down before that one. Appreciate your time.
0: All right, Trent. It'll be a tough game for the Hawkeyes, I'll tell you that right
1: now. I'm right there with you. Good talking with you again, Sip. All right. See you later, Trent. Stephen M. Siple, Lincoln Journal star, Husker, Husker extra, Easy for me to say is where you can find that over at journalstar.com. Quick timeout, more college football, a bigger, broader look now across the college scene. We'll talk about Bedlam, Iowa State, Kansas State, the big ones in the Big Ten and nationally with Bill Bender from the Sporting News. He joins us next. It's Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106. 106- Bendale.
0: Ken Miller, Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. 1148
1: on a Wednesday. It's Miller and Condon on KXNO. Trent flying solo today. Well, we got a bunch of great guests, including our next one. He is Bill Bender from the Sporting News, national writer of college football. And he joins us here today in his Wednesday spot. Bill, as always, thank you for your time. How are things in Ohio?
2: Hey, we're just like everybody else, taking a better time, trying to enjoy some basketball here. And, you know, the, both kids have been able to practice, so off to a
1: decent start. Got to like that. Certainly a, a positive and we go and look at the college slate. Maxion got things started last night. A couple of clunkers. But the uh, cancellation of the Ohio Bobcats, your alma mater, and Miami of Ohio, I didn't realize that it was one of the longest continuous rivalry games that we've had in college football. Certainly got to be a stinger for both those programs. Yeah,
2: you know, it really has. And, um, you yeah, know, Kent State looked good last night. They, they've got a nice program. My wife went there, so we watched a little bit of it. I mean throwing up that many points and kind of increasing Sean Lewis's stock along the way. So uh watch out for the Golden Flashes and Buffalo. Uh Buffalo running back had Jared Patterson had a huge night last night and uh I would look for that to continue.
1: You know, uh moving away from the Mac and going to your home state. You have Cincinnati, you have of course Ohio State, you have the Mac going on there. Fill us in what it's like to be a college football fan in the state generally? Is it everybody is a Buckeye fan and then it kind of trickled down from there? Are there steadfast people that love their MAC program and hate Ohio State because of the behemoth they are? Then you got the Cincinnati connection, the success that they have had, yet still looking for that place at the big boy table. Just a college fan in general in Ohio.
2: I mean, most of it. The Buckeyes are probably the most universal football team in Ohio just because you know, We're a state that has two NFL teams separated mm-hmm. by geography. I've always found it interesting growing up where I did in the center of the state, which is Buckeye-centric, of course. But as you get down to Cincinnati, it's either they love the Buckeyes or they love the Bearcats, and that's it. I mean, the Mac schools, unfortunately, I hate to say this, I mean, a lot of the kids that go there are more worried about the Buckeyes than they are there in school. And I, I say that from living that experience at OU for four years. I was always Bobcats first once you go there. Um, so it's fun, though. And I think the only team that I'd never understood that has so many fans in the state, and I know why, because it's in the neighbor, but there are so many Steelers fans
0: in Ohio. It drives me nuts.
1: It's weird. And it's something that is similar that happens all across the country, though, the big programs, the, the state programs that kind of dominate, both in terms of notoriety influence, and the money that comes into those programs, even for people that didn't go to school there, for people that aren't a graduate. There's still that love. We see it here. We see it in Ohio. It goes all over the place. Well, the Buckeyes, they do have a pretty big game this weekend with Indiana. Do you envision a scenario at all where this is a close game? I know the Indiana story is great, and Tom Allen and seeing the emotion of that guy and, and what it's meant, but the Penn State game, they were dominated statistically. They needed a miraculous two-point conversion, and more than anything, a Penn State running back to not fall down at the one-yard line to win that football game. Statistically, this is not a 4-0 and Indiana team, but here we are. How do they stay in this game?
2: Well, I mean, you know, with Indiana, I think I've never seen a spread of 20.5 between two top-10 teams. <laughs> I'd have to go back and look. Yeah. That's a monster spread. I mean, they've been a great story and they will test Ohio State's pass defense with what Michael Penix Jr. can do. I think the the test on the other side is can they hold off that pass rush to give him time. So he's just not throwing into nothing. The the one thing that concerns me most about Indiana is their running game stop and start. If you can't run the ball in the buckeyes you're gonna get beat. So I, I think and then on the other side you can pressure Justin Fields, but that hasn't seemed to matter. Um, so I like the Buckeyes big and I think the bigger question for me is who wins that later game because that's who we're going to look to challenge the Buckeyes next. And that Wisconsin-Northwestern game promises to be a little bit closer.
1: I think that's what we're going to see, no doubt. And with that, Northwestern, they've done it not with smoke and mirrors. This is a team that was 8-1 in the conference two years ago, and they had that huge step back because a quarterback played last year. Still Wisconsin, it's difficult to get a read. Week one, that Friday night game against Illinois, looked great. Illinois is not even the bull team, though, that we saw a year ago. Then, two weeks off, here we go. They beat Michigan, but a Michigan team it just doesn't look like they have a clue, didn't look like they wanted to be on the field. We know Northwestern is Northwestern. They, they are what they are. Fitz has got one of his perfect teams for him. What do you think you know about Wisconsin? We're going to
2: find out. I think, uh, I think Trent looks is pretty good. I don't know how good Trent. I guess that's my big question with him. I, I think you've seen him play well. Um, You've seen them look solid on both sides of the ball. They outclass Michigan certainly and I do think that Wisconsin is the best chance to challenge the Buckeyes, but I feel like it'll be the same challenge we always see where they hang around for a half and end up losing by ten. Mm-hmm. So they've got to do something to change that. And I think Graham Mertz is the answer. If he can be a dynamic quarterback and change the game that way, that's to me really if you wanna know what I've been talking people all week about Penn State, Michigan, it's quarterback. Neither one of those teams has a consistent quarterback right now, and that's where the game's.
1: Pretty simple. Maybe break it down like that, and it's pretty simple. Another team that doesn't have a quarterback, in fact, bench their quarterback, is 0 4 Penn State. That's where Iowa goes this weekend. What do you anticipate you're going to see with the Hawkeyes and Nittany Lions?
2: No, Iowa's playing better. You know, and this Big Ten's been hard to predict from week to week, but kind of like Iowa here. I mean, they've typically had close matchups with Penn State, close physical, old-school Big Ten-type games with Penn State, and if that happens, you got to like the Hawkeyes' chances here. You just worry about Penn State's psyche at this point. When are they going to – you know, how can you have a team that has 500 yards and 31st downs against Nebraska and still loses the game? So I think that tells me that Iowa should be able to find ways to exploit that Penn State defense.
1: Shot Tony's still over there, but it does not look the same. They've anticipated, certainly, coming into the year. And, uh, you know, Jason Oas paid pretty well for him. Still, it's Penn State. They'll have dudes, but where's their head? I think that's the biggest question with them. Let's jump over to the Big 12. Bedlam coming up this weekend. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. A lot of people believe Oklahoma, after those early losses to K-State and Iowa State, that they've turned it around and, and it's all systems go, and They're just going to run the table through the championship game. Do you see the Sooners trending that direction?
2: Yeah, you know, the Sooners are looking good. I think all the pressure's on Mike Gundy in this game. Yeah. You know, losing five in a row to Oklahoma. I did not realize, I looked it up this morning, that's 2-13 against Oklahoma. <laughs> and uh, he's lost five in a row against his rival, too, but, I mean, you don't hear about it in quite the same vein as Jim Harbaugh. So <laughs> I think if they lose this game, some of that chatter's going to start. Um, so that's what's at stake for the Cowboys. But, yeah, to Oklahoma, one of the things, like, they lost their second game, and it's almost like in this environment where you kind of know you're not going to the playoffs with two losses. It kind of took some pressure off of them, I think. And they played a lot better, and Spencer yeah. Rattler's not as pressing as much as he was early in the season.
1: Look a lot better. I'm right there with you. Well, the other part and component of every single week, it happened again yesterday with the ACC shuffling games around, another cancellation in the Duke game just the new world that we live in. As we go through this, we continue to look forward at the final weeks of the season, the championship games, and then whatever kind of bowl system is going to be in place. What is this going to look like? How, How ultimately does this play out with cases across the country continuing to build, outbreaks happening, programs having to shut down? Ultimately, how do we end up, Bill?
2: Messy. It's going to be messy down the stretch, but at least we still have football. And I mean... From state to state, I know I've been talking with you know, being a Michigan or Indiana or Iowa radio hit, and i don't I'm sorry that I don't know what you guys' situation is there. I know in Ohio we're inching toward another lockdown unfortunately, yeah. and uh hopefully we can avoid that, but it is the reality of the situation where you just kind of take it day by day, hope that the cases go down and we go from there
1: yeah it's uh, it's absolutely crazy, bill. Always good catching up with you, taking a look forward to the week coming up in college football. Appreciate your time, as always. One more, we talked a lot of Big Ten and Big 12. Is there anything else that gets you real fired up this weekend? Any other game on the docket that you say, boy, that's a must-watch, make sure you're in front of a TV? Because outside of the conferences that matter to us here, I just don't see a whole lot.
2: I'll give you one off the radar. I mean, Coastal Carolina has been a pretty good story this year, mm-hmm. obviously, with Jamie Chadwell being undefeated, pretty good quarterback. and They're playing the superpower in the conference with App State, and those games are always fun because you know App's not going to want to give that up. They've either won or shared the conference four straight years and kind of won five in a row since the Marshall loss. So if you're just looking for a fun watch between two teams that really care, I don't know if it gets much better than that outside of those three-ranked games we talked about.
1: 11 o'clock Central, ESPN2 will have a battle for the Sun Belt, and I like Appy State getting the 5.5. Uh, early look there at the point spread. Hey, Bill, good catching up with you again. Appreciate your time as always.
2: Hey, no problem, Trent. Thanks for having me on, man. Take care.
1: That's Bill Bender joining us from the Sporting News. As always, our conversations with Bill Bender here. Always enjoy talking college football with him. Yeah, that Appy State-Coastal Carolina game, 6-1 and versus 7-0, and possibility of some intrigue there how about Liberty still undefeated they go to NC State another chance now to get an ACC victory would be their third of the season against the ACC if they can pull that off and the other team trying to crash the party BYU they take on 0-3 North Alabama they're 47-point favorite in that one. Yuck, yuck, yuck. That's what's on the docket for BYU. But a possibility. Some conversations. The Pac-12 maybe opening up a non-conference game at the end of the schedule. BYU located out in the area. Could we see, maybe not Oregon or USC, but second-place team from one of those divisions playing BYU. Cougars need all the help they can get. Hour in the books, an hour to go. David Kaplan, he talked to Theo Epstein earlier today.